said, my name is Isabel and today is the 5th of August 2020 and this interview is taking place via Zoom. So to get us started, I'd like to, to know a little bit about you and your background. Can you please tell me your name and the year you were born? My name is uh, Douglas uh, Souter Robertson. I was born in 1954. And where did you grow up? I was born in, in Perth while my parents stayed in Kinross uh, in Scotland and uh, uh, we moved to Lower Largo uh, in the south of Fife uh, when I was eight and I grew up there uh, for 13 years. And what is your professional or work background? Uh, a BA in Accountancy and Finance failed and uh, I did a lot of academic studying and it, it never worked out. And I tried to get a job as, as an accountant and that never materialised either. And then I became uh, unwell with mental health problems. And uh, But I did complete my degree later on. Uh, and uh, I worked at the Sprout Market Garden, started off there, and then I did uh, uh, payroll work, uh, wages, I paid people's wages, uh, 30 trainees, I paid one morning a week, and I graduated to paying 450 people on uh, monthly and weekly payrolls, we had five payrolls, and I spent uh, five and a half million pounds in 1996. On, on salaries and wages. So finance and payroll is my background profession. And uh, after a while due to illnesses and things like that, they, they offered me voluntary redundancy, which I, I took. Uh, and then the uh, next month they moved their headquarters to Glasgow and, uh, and made the, the rest of the staff redundant as well. And so I got out just in time, but uh, due to the nature of the job, it's a young person's job uh, and you need to be quite qualified. And so they said I'd be better off on benefits. So I've been out of work for uh, uh, about 20 years after that. And what was your first role within mental health and the arts? I've never really had a, a role okay. as a patient, I suppose. Mm -hmm. uh, so my first experience of art would be in the occupational therapy departments of the Royal Edinburgh Hospital in Edinburgh. Thank you. And how did you get end up getting involved with that, with the occupational side? They, they used that as... as uh, therapy for the patients uh, and, and to give them something to do rather than sitting in the ward all day. Yeah. But there was one particular painting that I, that I kept hold of for about two years and it was on my wall in one of the hostels and it's been uh, recreated uh, and redesigned several times and the themes from it have been used in various other artworks. The psychiatrist called it a, a symbol of rebirth. It was called birds, trees and sunrise. What are some of your favourite memories of being involved with art making and the mental health community? I think in, in the last few years it's, it's kind of taken off my career in art. It seems to be something that I'm doing now because uh, for a long time I, I used to do music uh, just in the house by myself with my guitar and a drum machine and an amplifier and a microphone and I made uh, CDs and to complement that I, I used artwork for the covers so all my CDs were covers for all, all my artwork was covers for CDs. Like the, the, they started off uh, uh, 
a 12 centimetre square. And so that started in, in the about 2004, I think. So there's a bit of a gap. And in between that, I was in hospital uh, about nine times between 1976 and uh, 2002. I was in there nine times. And it's very disruptive uh, illness. It makes you. Uh, lethargic and the tablets and things and the lack of motivation makes it makes it difficult and so I've been doing the art as a therapy to to get better and music as a therapy to get better and I, a few years ago I, I decided to make a cut-off point and I, I produced a I had all my uh, CDs duplicated and uh, the covers made into a little booklet, a 24-page booklet. And then I had another booklet called uh, Lifetime's Work. And uh, I've still got a couple of these left, but I gave most of them away. And I had uh, 21 CDs, three MP3 CDs and one data DVD with 173 tracks in it. So that's my music and I made a, a cut-off point called Lifetime's Work and, and that's when I look back and put it all together. And so I did something similar this year with my artwork. And there, were, there was supposed to be an exhibition at the Pallet Gallery. I was going to do 37 works in Gallery 3 at uh, St Margaret's House and uh, due to Covid it fell through but they put it online instead so it's part of the Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival online exhibition called Lifetime's Story by Dougie Sitter which is my name for art and music it's actually my registered stage name because I registered it somewhere. I'll, I'll be able to send you links to the exhibition because it's still active at the moment. And uh, there's also another exhibition. Uh, well, as part of that, the the uh, the sense of belonging people gave me a grant to produce something. So I produced all the images in the A3 format and laminated them all. Uh, they were supposed to go on the wall. And in addition to that, I had patches made uh, for putting on clothes, you know, like uh, rock music patches that people used to wear on denim jackets. Well, I, I've got a, I spent, I've got a heart, well, maybe I've got a, 37 of these and four of each of the, all the individual paintings and the idea was to present them or sell them at the exhibition so I've still got all that stuff uh, to which I can use in the future. Thank you very much, that's great. And when you for, first started making work, how was mental health viewed? Uh, I never really noticed because I, I was uh, unaware of what was happening to me. Um, how did you find people to connect with and share ideas? Uh, mainly through drop-in organisations like Staffer Centre and Contact Point in, in Edinburgh. But a lot, most of the work has been done either in the house or in these centres. And my artwork was, was done, and there was a, a drop-in at Clarniston, and there was one in the, a long time ago in, in Broughton, Broughton Street, and it moved to York Place. And that's when they, I, I made, the, they had an art class there in the evenings. 
and I did three uh, paintings, and they put them in an exhibition, and they were chiselled with felt pen drawings, and they were really good, and I really liked them, and they they never gave me them back. They took them away. So I said, I'm not having that happening to me again. I'll keep everything I've got, I'll laminate it, and if it goes in an exhibition, I'll have copies. So I put everything on my computer. So I've got all my pictures on my computer, and I have backups in various places somewhere, I think. And, uh, yeah. And in terms of art making, uh, do you feel that you have a particular audience that you were trying to reach, or a group of people? No, it was just a, to, to supplement the CDs as an expression of, uh, of what I wanted to express. Uh, it comes from inside. It just comes out of me like, like songs. When, when I first wrote songs, I never actually wrote them myself. They just seem to come out, and they come out in, in perfect format, in four lines, in rhyming. And it's the same with poetry, there's a lot of poetry. Uh, one day, it wasn't actually one day, it was three days, I wrote a, an 88-verse epic called uh, Mahabharata, Dougie's Mahabharata. And it's a, a story, poem thing. And uh, I didn't write it, it just came forward and forward and forward out of me. It's about uh, domestic uh, uh, disturbances and things. And I've done uh, several poems, which is it's a, it's an expression. And the songs are an expression, and the artwork is to complement that as an expression as well. And it's not really related directly to being mentally ill. It's more related to, like, I had a breakdown when I was at university because the artistic things were coming up. There was a, a pressure inside not to do academic stuff, to be creative, to do artwork. And uh, I did some sculpture at that time, uh, made of dust clay and paint and candle wax. And so I did in 1976, because uh, I was out of work and uh, I was awake all night. And I just created this artwork thing. And I suppose that's more or less when it all started. And uh, as a result of all that, that's when it became ill. And so in 1976, was there a particular uh, perspective of mental health or did you not feel that at the time? None of us knew what was happening. Mm. My parents didn't know, I didn't know what was happening. Uh, I've got a severe mental illness, uh, which they diagnosed two years later. They first of all said it was a, a schizophrenic, and then two years later they said it was a psychotic schizophrenic, and then eventually they said that my diagnosis was bipolar schizoaffective disorder. And they don't talk about that. Nobody talks about that. They're beginning to open up a bit about mindfulness and uh, meditation and helping people with anxiety and depression, but they don't talk about schizophrenia or mood disturbances. There are some bipolar groups uh, for people with manic depression, which I, I believe they don't use that expression anymore. And there are there are songs that musicians have written like Jimi Hendrix wrote one, and uh, uh, yeah. And previously you mentioned that um, you managed to get some funding to support your work. Um, were there other supporters as well? Would you mind talking about that a bit more? Uh, the supporters are the people who run these classes in the, in the drop-in places. They provide the support, the materials, and we just do the work. And then sometimes they offer us 
spaces and exhibitions. Like you know, the Outlook project, they offered me uh, because I was an inpatient and I did art. They said I could exhibit some of my work on a touring exhibition in the hospitals. So I contributed three artworks and it went to St John's in Livingston, eh, the Western General in Edinburgh and the Royal Edinburgh. And it toured the three hospitals eh, for about eh, two or three months. And I, I suppose that's the start of my being, work being exhibited. But that, that wasn't funded, that was just voluntary. But they did things like preparing the pictures and putting them on the wall. And then they, when the Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival came up, uh, I didn't know quite how to get involved in that. And uh, I, I was friendly with uh, a cafe in Edinburgh, the Himalayan Cafe in South Clark Street. And there's a, a room downstairs. So I put on my own exhibition and publicised it and they put up uh, 12 of my CD drawings and uh, that was my first exhibition and uh, I got some nice comments about that and uh, the next year I, I uh, had another exhibition in the same place but it was a poetry exhibition and they offered me funding for that from the sense of belonging people as part of the Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival. So and amazing, I did the own publicity work and I've still got a couple of posters, pictures of the flyers for these events. And then the, that was 2017, I think, 2018. And then there's also the Out of Sight, Out of Mind exhibition I've been doing that for three years now, it's at Summer Hall, and they do one or two works from Scottish artists or Edinburgh artists. So I had two pictures in the first exhibition that I did, one called uh, about an elephant rider, and another called uh, about uh, a rooster, a, a cockerel. And they, there were originally cafe facet drawings from a colouring book and I did multicoloured drawings. I did I'm a colourman and they expanded them and laminated them and put them in the exhibition. And then the last year I did another three out of sight, out of mind. And this year I've got either they're restricting people because there's too many. So I've got one set of logos to go in that exhibition this year. And uh, some of my artwork moved from being... Well, the title of this year's exhibition was uh, The Changing Perspectives from Hand-Drawn Artwork to Computerised Images and Logos. So I've been using uh, computers and... Uh, uh, designer really to straighten things up to make them look a lot better and so half of my new artwork is, is logo based and the logos are based around my band and my band name uh, Dougie Sitter Band and various other things like that so I've been doing lots of that I've forgotten the question now <laughs> that's fantastic thank you and can I ask how many people are in your band? Uh, me. Just you. Uh, there's there's difficulty because uh, our, uh, the place where we play is uh, is uh, having change of ownership, and uh, the rehearsal place is closed due to COVID. I I do have two CDs that were made of live recordings. But we don't have any proper uh, studio recordings because it takes a lot of time and energy and effort and money. And the uh, professional bands, they have a lot of kind of stuff. 
just a beginner in amateur, even at 66. May I ask what instruments you enjoy playing? I play guitars, electric guitars mainly. I do acoustic guitars and I did have a 12-string guitar and I, I like to have a drum machine going. So I play a drum machine, vocals and electric guitar and I have an arrange of, arrangement of a, adjusters called uh, electronic pedals which uh, which change the sound uh, distortion pedal and a feedback pedal with, with delay in it and, uh, and a, a tuner because you need a tuner so I play electric guitars uh, electric guitars has, has been my life since I was 18 when I first got one and I couldn't play it till I was 24 I started learning, because this is about uh, art and a music is part of art, I think. So I suppose it's relevant, as well as the actual visual painting art. And so I started learning acoustic guitar and singing about when I was 24. And I learned how to sing from Neil Young's Harvest album. And I played acoustic guitar for about uh, four or five years after that, I've always wanted electric guitars, having one as a teenager. And so I ended up, uh, because the, the government paid me disability benefits, ended up with uh, 11 guitars. And uh, it was too much, so I had to sell some of them or give some of them away. And I tried to give some of them away and it didn't work, and they came back. Or, uh, or misappropriated and that came back as well. And so I had to give some to my family to reduce the number in the house. And so I've now got uh, four guitars, three electrics and one acoustic. And I've got a couple of amplifiers. Uh, I've been doing videos over lockdown. I just have a couple of videos before but I've done more now. And they're on my Facebook page. Uh, the mainly cover versions and uh, some are influenced by spiritual experiences and all of them are influenced by, by rock music and that's what I like and that's what I do and that's what keeps me happy and that's what keeps me from being mentally unwell and the things that that's really helped me is the new medications that have come out. Uh, previous medications have been quite severe. Uh, I remember sleeping for eight years. Uh, I couldn't go anywhere. I didn't go to the drop-in centres. Uh, I was just severely sedated. Uh, I even wrote a song about it. And uh, when I was doing that, I was in the house all the time and that's when I recorded all my stuff. But things have changed now and I've been out uh, trying to play in a, in a band situation. Uh, we, we just have uh, four or five people in, in Do You Sit Our Band. And we did uh, uh, three concerts at the Stafford Centre. And I've got two recordings of that. But at the moment we're on hold, waiting. And when you've played your music or shown your work in um, exhibitions, how have people reacted to your work? Uh, when I was playing music, it was it was quite a, a quite a very positive response. Uh, there was a, a, an event happening at the same time, like uh, when I was doing the concert, someone was leaving the organisation. And everyone came upstairs to celebrate that. And when they were upstairs, they were all part of the audience. So they were all listening to that. And got really positive feedback from that. And it was really quite good. And there's not been so many comments on the, on the, the new SMAF to, in, in response to my pictures. But that's because they're just doing the, the survey just now. And there might be more response later on. Also, I had uh, some comments on the uh, exhibitions, the ones at the Himalayan Cafe. Uh, I 
got some good uh, quotations from people, and some people seem to quite enjoy the exhibitions. There's also one other thing. Uh, uh, I did a drawing this year, and it took me three months to do. And uh, uh, it was in the out of sight, out of mind. Uh, it must have been last year, actually. Uh, so, and I've had that uh, uh, laminated, and then uh, I used a new medium. It's like a, a cloth medium. I asked the coffee shop. Uh, I don't know if I like to advertise, so I won't. But uh, they made a banner for me of my picture, and it's on my wall up here. It's about uh, four feet wide and about two, two to three feet high, and it's looking really good. All the colours are coming out vibrant, and uh, I might uh, put that as a the next next year's exhibition. And if I had loads of money, I would do that with all, with all my pictures, because it really, it's really impressive. And you see the whole thing in full colour and that size. Uh, what materials do you like to draw and paint with? Uh, originally, well, I've never liked doing paintwork. I did paintwork in the hospital, and it's very messy. And so when I would do do things in the house or at drop-in centres. I used a uh, chisel nib, felt pens, a uh, barrel, uh, felt pens, they were a quarter inch uh, felt uh, nib type of thing. And uh, they, if when you when you draw like that, you get a sort of a, an effect, which is a trademark of my all my designs and work. And it's a it's a colouring layering type effect of different lines layering all together. So that's why I started doing my own work, doing things like that. And then uh, I've been using computer design for some of them. Uh, like I did original drawings, some of them were just using pens, uh, gel pens or uh, felt pens. And they would, coffee shop or another shop or a logo shop would turn that design into a proper artwork thing. And I did several ones like that. And there's one they cost me lots of money because they, they wanted, because I asked them to do copyright for the logo. And they, they had to pay them a lot of money. And then I haven't even started a on, on the territory for protecting the logo. Like, uh, I think I got charged about 350 for copyright protection and the fee for each area, something like £1,400. It's just uh, totally out of my league at all. So I can't uh, protect the copyright. And if people want to use it, then uh, there's nothing I can do about it. But it is copyright to my name because I designed it. Very difficult. Mm. And, you, and you like them when you see them. Mm. Yeah, I'd love to have a look at them. Yeah. I also, uh, as part of that exhibition, I created a, a brochure. Now, uh, uh, due to paying too much for my gas and electricity and having a, a discount, I had money left over. Rather than use the the grant for that, I paid for it by myself, and I, I had I have I've had designed a twelve-page brochure with the thirty-six of my artworks in it, and it's a physical copy, it's, uh, and it's it's really nice, and the the I created a an online version, a PDF version. And uh, emailed it to a couple of people, but it's not really been publicised yet. But it's on the unlockedartgallery.com uh, website for Edinburgh uh, people to do uh, to contribute their artwork to uh, during lockdown. It's things created during lockdown, so that was created this year. And it's got because I, 
because I decided to do an endpoint type of thing. It sort of finalised my, my mind and things. Like I put a full stop. So everything I've created from then up to now has all been put together. And it's really, really therapeutic to do that. Especially due to my age and, and things. And so I've got, I've got that brochure, a 12 page brochure. And I designed it myself and I put a forward in it with a, a bio and a couple of pictures. And so that'd be interesting if you look at that and you can use that. You have, you have permission to use that. And have you had any goals or particular outcomes that you've wanted to meet in your art or music? Or I don't think I've set any goals as, as specific for any particular time or any... any or any, to have achieved anything by any, any set amount of time, no, no. Uh, but I keep pushing myself to do things. I like to do things. And every time I finish something, I think that's it finished, that's an end point. And after a wee while, a, a new idea starts coming up. And I have to do that. May I ask, um... What were some of the challenges you faced? Uh, being in hospital was a challenge, a real challenge. Uh, particularly because I'm not very happy about drug therapy. And, uh, and also because they, they lock the doors at night. And it's a security issue. So they don't let me do my meditation. They don't let me go to morning class. They have uh, or had a strict enforcement policy where they used to accuse people, which is quite distressing. They uh, they have five people. If you're if you're slightly disturbed, they they uh, four nurses would pin each of your limbs to the floor and the fifth nurse would inject you with a severe sedative. So these were uh, quite bad moments and I've had that done three times. Thank you for sharing. And there's also the sedating effect of these medications and the the effect it has on your reproductive system and the fact that they don't seem to have any other way of dealing with mental illness other than drug therapy. They talk about talking therapies but they never said to use them or they use them in conjunction and keep you on the medication and the medication is really difficult. So for years I had injections which I didn't wasn't happy with, and they used to eventually give me tablets to take, but I have to take tablets. And now I have a, a because of these medications, it makes you put on weight, and makes you susceptible to other types of illnesses. So now to do psychiatric medication, in my opinion, that's where my diabetes has come from. So I've got, I'm type two diabetic now for 15 years. Uh, and I have I've been on tablets for a while and I've been on and off insulin for a while. And so on insulin now I've got uh, diabetes, high blood pressure and uh, high cholesterol. And I'm not sure whether they're age related or, or as part of a, just a normal lifestyle or whether it's due to mental illness and psychiatric medications. It could just be getting old. Because lots of people get old and get these things. And you mentioned before that your music and uh, art making, that's been a form of therapy for you. Um, at what point in your life were you really exploring that? Was it from your 20s or? Uh, I was 22 when I first got ill, and, that, and when I changed from the, when I left the university after the first year, 
and they persuaded me to go back. But the, that breakdown in the, in the first year, I was a, I can't remember how old I was, it was 1973, makes me uh, 19. And uh, that's when the art started to push forward and it, it started to happen. I did uh, another year, they persuaded me to go back and, and continue my academic career, but it didn't work out. So I did another year and then did another year and then it came to the point where I couldn't do it anymore. And that's when I, I went to work in the bakery and I worked a night shift and that's what I ruined my sleep pattern and I stayed awake all night. But I've been awake all night for a long time. Uh, the illness when I was young, a physical illness, and, they, and my parents used to make me go to work like a, a paper round like normal boys do to earn extra income. But I think that was counterproductive. And they, they made me lose sleep. And then when I was a student, I had essays to do. She used to write essays in, in the morning, two or three in the morning. And then they, when I went to work in the bakery, I worked night shift. And I did constant night shift for 12 weeks. And that was great, I really liked that. Except I started to sleep in for that as well. And then they put me on a, a mix of shift, two week on, two week day shift, two week night shift. And that just totally uh, destroyed everything. Uh, so I, I couldn't continue there, so I left. And then I was out of work uh, for a long time. Uh, about six months or so, and I was awake at night, and that's when my artistic stuff started happening. Uh, so I was a uh, uh, twenty-two. And how has making music and and drawing and painting uh, impacted you in your mental health and well-being? It's my life, really. Music and, and art is my life now. Uh, I couldn't live without it. Uh, also like technology as well, because you have to have uh, a lot of technology to produce music these days, like guitars and pedals and and switches and, and controls and amplifiers. You have to understand all that. And then there's mobile phone technology and, and the other bits of equipment. So these are all modern things which they never had in the old days. It was just an umpire, you just plugged in and switched on. So these are technical things and I like to do that. I like all these things. So I like the technology, I like the music, I like the art. And they are feeling quite well at the moment. I don't like to say that, but but uh, this, the tablets are on are a different type of tablet. They are a uh, second generation antipsychotic, and they they give you the ability to do things. There was times on on the old stuff when I found that I could do things if I pushed myself. But a lot of the time there was apathy which came with it. And I just couldn't do anything. I couldn't motivate myself. So I'm feeling quite good about things at the moment. And that's made me able to, to draw everything together. And I've done being a lot more productive in, in artwork. And uh, the same is happening with music as well. Great. And the other thing is that uh, there's no money in music. And there's, it's easier to display artwork rather than music. And so I think I, that's another side that I've been exploring over the last couple of years, is, is to get my art out there. Because the music's taken back seat because it's taken so long. Like, uh, you know, uh, 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 All Right Now by Free, the song. Well, there's a guitar solo in that. It took me 30 years to learn that. It's a long, slow process to learn guitar for me, anyway. Uh, but the art uh, just seems to flow and, and comes out. It doesn't take that much effort. And uh, the songs, I just wait for them to come along. I don't, I don't deliver the right songs anymore. 
And I just think I went off, and they just come out. And that works the, the current expression I'm having at the moment. Uh, I think it's great. Great, yeah, thank you. Uh, and two, so yes. there's two pictures on the wall, but they're not mine. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, they're photographs from my brother who does underwater photography in, in uh, California. And uh, this one, uh, that one on, on that side, that's uh, a sea anemone, and this uh, whitish one uh, there, that's uh, a sea slug. And he likes to take underwater pictures. And, and they, because I worked for uh, a mental health charity, one of their projects was, was did picture framings. And so they framed the pictures for me. And so that's my brother's stuff on that wall. And you can't see it, but all my stuff is on this side. And on the door there. And all the art is in my room. And all the copies, the ones for the exhibition are are in a box. And there's uh, stuff over there ready to put in another exhibition. And um, I'm interested with the the covers that you did for your sort of album covers. Yeah. Um, you said that the, the lyrics and the music came to you first. Did you then make the covers after that, or did the covers sort of happen at the same time? Uh, I, would, I had music there that I made. Like some of them, uh, I used to do a recording session with the, some of my instrumental CDs. I would just play for an hour, and they would come out in, the, in ten separate chunks as well. So I just edited them and made them into a CD. And after I'd done that, I would uh, design the CD cover. And other ones, uh, because I had all the CDs, I would just allocate each uh, picture onto a CD. And some of them would have two or three images on the CD, like on the front or on the back. Like I've got a logo with my name on it, which I use on various things. And I've used uh, two or three pictures on a couple of occasions on different CDs. And uh, you just touched on the fact that you, you worked for a mental health charity, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Would you mind talking about that? What was the experience like there? What was your role? Uh, I started off in the market garden in, in the grounds of the Royal Edinburgh. It's called Sprout Market Garden. And it got taken over by the Scott the Scottish Association for Mental Health Day Services. So they ran the garden and then they had uh, an office. And so uh, they offered me work in the office, doing wages full time. And the uh, bosses come and go, and they had a lot of difficulty with me because uh, I used to work. And oh, I wasn't concerned about timekeeping because I was there to do a job, so I, I wanted to do my job. I wasn't concerned about coming at 9 o'clock or, or 12 o'clock, and they, they didn't get on with that. But eventually, uh, the people I didn't get on with just left. So I survived uh, 11 bosses when I was there. I was there 11 and a half years. Uh, and uh, I trained people. I trained people on how to do wages and payroll and some of the office staff said that that was the only training they ever received from anybody and they were quite grateful for that because I was teaching them how to use the computers as well. Even though I didn't know how to use computers, I just learned just by doing it. And uh, uh, we had uh, an office in, in Gardner's Crescent that was quite good. And it was very friendly uh, place to be, it was really good. I liked that. And some of the bosses were, were, were particularly were, were quite good. And some of them I uh, had difficulty with. I have to mention the financial director. She was, she was very supportive throughout my career. And why do you think it's important that mental health is covered or explored in art? If there was no mental illness, 
there'd be an awful lot less art, I think. I think a lot of people with mental illness have that ability to produce uh, art work, really, and music. I think these people are really gifted, and I think that gifted people are can can be uh, slightly off the rails as far as society is concerned. And a lot of people don't really want to be pinned into academic or or type of jobs and find out a release to do art and music. I think mental health plays an important part in it. And also I feel that it's important for these drop-in centres that I go to to have that facility for people to do art and for people to do music. I don't know if there's enough music therapy out there for mentally ill people. But there's a lot of art therapy and it's happening and it's really good. And I think it started off from being just an occupational therapist thing in hospitals. I think it's expanded now. I think it's very therapeutic and it keeps people from being unwell and also expresses their feelings. Uh, There could be a bit more discussion about what these pictures mean and the explanation of these pictures and the explanation of the work that people do. There could be a lot more of that. Uh, it could be explored in more depth as to why these images are there, where they come from. I've not really touched on these things. I've explained a couple of times uh, where, where these images came from. And um, what role does art play when it comes to tackling mental health stigma and discrimination? Uh, we're on a, an open mic thing where we try to tackle isolation and stigma by allowing people to perform music and uh, maybe it'd be helpful if we could uh, do the same sort of thing to reduce stigma by getting art more publicised. I think we could do something in that field. I think maybe this project to be contributed to that idea. And how would you like the relationship between mental health and the arts in Scotland develop in the next five to ten years? I would think it'd be a lot more open, but I think there might be a flood of things actually. There's more and more people get involved and because there's an awful lot of uh, work that people do and a lot of people don't save their work, which surprises me. I know it's difficult to save a, a painting if it's, if it's done with paint and it's, it's large. And that's one of the reasons why I, I do small things and have them laminated to preserve them. But I think the art that people produce is as good as the ones you see in public art galleries. And there are other galleries for mentally ill people. I'm a member of the Scottish Artists' Union now. They made me join so I could pay my public liability insurance. And as a result of that, I get access to meetings and things with professional artists. And I find them very helpful. And they, they, they publicise mental illness as well. I think that's a good thing. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to say or anything you feel we haven't discussed that you'd like to add? Uh, spirituality. Also, things come from within. And it depends on what kind of spiritual outlook you have as to what kind of materials you produce and what kind of songs you sing. 
and some of my artwork is related to the Paramakumani World Spiritual University, where I'm a student. I've been a student for 40 years, almost as long as I've been mentally ill. I've been doing meditation and studying spiritual knowledge. And it's a sort of half and half. It influences everything I do, from what kind of food I eat, when I sleep, and the kind of artwork that I do. So I think it's important to have a spiritual aspect to to art, and also a spiritual aspect to mental health, because there's now exploring mindfulness as a way of assisting people with with their mental difficulties and there are things above that like transcendental meditation was a sort of start point and mindfulness is a step up from that and Raja Yoga is a step up from that it's the highest form of yoga or meditation that you can do Raja means king and yoga means union. So Raja Yoga means the highest yoga, it will transform you into being a royal person. And that's the aim to be a royal person, like Lakshmi and Narayan, the first empress of the golden age, which may happen or will happen. Thank you. Many thanks for speaking to me today and for taking part in the interview. Thank you, Isabel. It was lovely to meet you.